This is the Barbecue Central Show podcast being generated from a live recording of the Barbecue Central Show, which airs at thebbqcentralshow.com every Tuesday between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. Visit them at thebbqguru.com or call them 800 800- 288-GURU. And by Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. Sauces, rubs, grills, smokers, everything for the outdoor chef. Visit them online at tastylicksbbq.com or call them 800-677-2882. And by Butcher Barbecue. Manufacturers of premium injections, rubs, and sauces. Visit them online and take full advantage at butcherbbq.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jeweler. Official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Visit them at stephendefranco.com or call 440-943-2700 and use keyword Barbecue Brother to receive all the discounts. And by iGrill, manufacturer of Bluetooth-enabled temperature, which is generated and sent to your smart device. You can find out more information by visiting iGrillInc.com. Use promo code CENTRAL to get 15% off your entire order at the iGrill Inc. store. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the country's premier pellet grill manufacturers. Three different sizes to choose from, something to fit in every budget, and find out more by visiting GreenMountainGrills.com. And by CookShack, the country's premier manufacturer of electronic and pellet-driven cookers, servicing the residential, commercial, and competition markets. Visit CookShack.com for more information. Hi, this is Bobby Rempton from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central uh, show, ladies and gentlemen. Happy to have you aboard here. Uh, This is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you see fit to jump in the show tonight, more than happy to have you. It's a call on the phone, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show if you would prefer. That's encouraged, especially if you don't like to talk on the phone. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Two bits of contact info in case you... Feel the need to jump in. Everything else about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening on the show tonight. Coming up in about eh, 13 minutes from now, president of the IBCA, that's India Bravo Charlie Alpha, President Lynn Shivers will be joining us. And then at 9.35, keeping it a little IBCA-related, Clarence Joseph 
winner of the W3 Barbecue Series Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue Team. We're going to recount the win this past weekend, uh, which also propelled him into winning the overall series title, which we talked to Steve Grams about a couple weeks ago, if you would recall that, pumping up the IBCA for the first hour, and then we'll move over to the second hour. And really, um, the second hour fell apart on me hand over fist within the last 60 to 75 minutes. And I do my best to backfill with quality entertainment, and I think I have done that. For instance, at 10-14, a guy who has a tremendously popular barbecue blog, John Dawson, Patio Daddio Barbecue. PatioDaddioBBQ.com is his website if you want to check him out. And, as always, you uh, see her as a regular contributor on this show. Uh, I ate her food literally every day growing up. Uh, Connie's Recipe Corner founder and co-host Connie Rampy joining me. So there you go. show has uh, rounded out nicely. Seemed a bit skittish for the last 60 minutes, but we have rallied in form and fashion. And if you want to jump in on your uh, on your own accord, your own dime, 216-220-0966, email greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. All right, make your Facebook post, your tweets, let everybody know that you are watching the show, a couple of different websites, outdoorcookingchannel.com for the video stuff, thebbqcentralshow.com for the audio stuff. And if you have Roku or Internet Protocol Television that has the Outdoor Cooking Channel app in its particular app store, download it, and then you can watch a live stream right here uh, in glorious high definition on your television from the comfort of your bedroom or your living room or media room or office or dog's den or whatever you call it. Because technology is here, take advantage of it. Uh, don't forget you can subscribe to iTunes for replays of the show. Also, uh, the YouTube page, which is uh, barbecue for you, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E, the numeral for the letter U, so YouTube slash barbecue for you. Of course, Outdoor Cooking Channel has all the re- replays of video. Uh, the main website has all the video and audio replays. So, as I always say each and every week, no reason you should ever miss anything on this show ever. Not even one interview or a second. If you're not even bothering to put forth a monicum of effort, maybe you won't find it. But if you can put at least put forth a monicum, then you will indeed find what you're looking for. All right. Uh, quickly, you know, look, I don't give a shout out, as it were, but I do want to holla at my boy Midnight Oil Steve Ray from Owl's Nest Barbecue. He's in live tonight in the chat room. Happy to have you joining us tonight, Steve. Also, let me holler at you for a second. Uh, my wife, an instructor at Kent State University, I call her professor. Well, she says she's technically not a professor, but I'm like, hey, if you work at Kent and you're instructing people, you know, you're professor to me. And if it's free, it's me. And if you're teaching at a college, you're professor to me. Every year they have a fundraiser. It's called the Ed Taylor Fundraiser for Pancreatic Cancer. And the crux of the whole situation is this. Um, the, the whole physical therapy, well, actually the whole branch, gets together baskets. They auction those off and uh, use the proceeds, donate back to the uh, cancer research. I told uh, my wife that I would get the word out and ask if anyone I would uh, impart on you that if you have anything that you would like to donate, sauce, rubs, T-shirts, boots, anything barbecue-related, preferably not used, Get in touch with me. Shoot me an email or uh, message me or, you know, you can pretty much 
get in touch with me a number of different ways through social media and, and traditional email and stuff. Uh, but if you have something, uh, please consider donating it here. This is a great cause. We want to see how many barbecue baskets we can actually build. Uh, maybe uh, she would be a top basket producer, five baskets or three baskets or seven baskets or whatever. And again, uh, 100% of the proceeds that will come through sales of these baskets, no matter how many we do, will go directly to cancer research. So again, if you have any items that you can donate uh, to this particular effort, I would consider it a personal favor, of course. Uh, we've already had some uh, really big donations from Barbecue Hooks, from uh, CancerSuckChicago.com, Scotty Johnson over there, and a few other people. So uh, if you'd like to take part, and let's see how many baskets we can build and uh, show Kent State that the Central Lights are a strong bunch, and we are getting behind a great effort, of course, cancer research, in an effort to find a cure paramount and uh, we do it in many different ways here so again my website uh, my uh, email if you want to get in touch greg at the bbq central show.com uh, many of you that have been fans of the show for some time recall the barbecue institute was an advertiser on the show for a while and uh, conrad haskins was the man behind that business uh, was also a uh, pit master of a competition cooking team uh, this past saturday the 22nd, Conrad suffered a sudden heart attack and uh, was actually not able to um, not able to recover. Passed away Sunday, uh, the 23rd, and I uh, started going through uh, some Facebook posts and, and stuff on his website after I had uh, kind of seen it through some news feeds and gotten some other emails from some folks, uh, kind of alerting me to that. And uh, you know, it, I guess in an odd bit of foreshadowing, uh, Conrad's last post. On Facebook, uh, only a few days before that ill-fatal uh, heart attack took him on the 22nd, was March 19th, his last post read, One of the sad facts of growing older is, the older you get, the more people you know that are younger than you that have passed away. Prophetic words, I guess, in a, in a way. Conrad taught many people the joy of barbecuing, had success in the competition world, and you know, I think on the whole was an asset to the industry, and I know many of you feel like that. Look, you know, to be blunt, we didn't have uh, the, the best ending of our business relationship, I guess. Um, we had some differing views on uh, how we should do business together, uh, but certainly respected him as a man, as an entrepreneur, and for the work especially that he did with our troops. Uh, paramount to me, obviously, uh, and, you know, I say it every time you know, when someone passes away uh, here on the show, you know, folks, life is fleeting. Truth be told, we're all going to die. Uh, there's no way around it. Uh, I try to encourage my kids and, and people that I work with and, and everybody to not be afraid of dying. I mean, we all know what's going to happen. You know, I don't know if you can embrace it, but try. I don't know if you can accept it, but try. Maybe not look forward to it. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, kind of live today and tomorrow and the next day. Kind of let that, knowing that you're going to die. I mean, we're, it's going to happen. But kind of let that guide you to, to living life every day to the fullest and making sure that you're appreciative of what you have. And if you haven't connected with somebody in a long time and you've been meaning to do that, make the time to do that. Tell the people that are dear to you that you love them. Take time from the show right now. Call your mom, call your dad, call your wife or your kids or whatever. Maybe you haven't talked, whatever. Uh, but don't ever 
end up on the wrong side of the time dial and have regret. Don't go through life every day thinking, I should have done this or I should have done that. That's no way to go through life. Try every night to go to bed and say, you know, if I passed away tonight, if this was my final day on earth, yeah, I wouldn't like that too much, but I'm pretty satisfied. I think I was a good dad. I think I was a good worker. I think I was a loyal guy, a friend to many. That's really what you want to strive for. So uh, certainly uh, sad to hear of Conrad's passing, and uh, we lift one up to him one more time as he heads to the big barbecue in the sky. Um, we're going to be back with uh, Lynn Shivers from IBCA here in just a second. But first, folks, uh, barbecue competition season is near. Wait, this isn't the one I'm supposed to read. Ugh. Here it is. Hold on. Damn it. Such an idiot. Centralites, are you interested in taking barbecue or smoked foods to the next level? Have you thought about starting a catering business, opening a food truck, or even your own restaurant? If you have answered yes to any of these questions, let Cook Shack help you be successful. Register for Cook Shack's Fast Eddie Restaurant and Catering class to be held in July. This class, held to the uh, Country Club in Ponca City, Oklahoma, uses their commercial kitchen. You'll see how to cook on a Cook Shack Charbroil, an FEC 500, FEC 120, and an SM160. All smokers used during the class will be available for purchase at a special rate at participants at the class. Class has classroom portion and hands-on portion. If you want to handle meat, rubs, and knives, this is the best class for you. Each student will learn how to select proper meat cuts how to trim brisket, pork butts, ribs, and chicken. Other topics to be discussed include menu items, cook and hold techniques, food safety, brining, profitability, and yields. It also includes setup of a dinner service and serving the patrons of the country club. This class is taught by legendary Fast Eddie Moore, barbecue pitmaster, TV show finalist Dave Bosco, Butcher's Barbecue Competition, cooking team, and CEO, president of Cook Shack, Stuart Powell. Each student will receive a binder with class materials, and supplies and cook shack spices and sauces to take home. It also includes three nights of hotel stay, meals, a tour of the cook shack's manufacturing facility, and a tour of the head country barbecue manufacturing facility. Again, the dates here, July 21st and July 22nd. Class size limited to 25 students. That's right, 25. Sign up today. For more information, contact Krista with Cook Shack, 800-423-0698. That's 800 800- Four two three zero six nine eight, or email her at c underscore jones that's charlie underscore jones at cookshack.com for additional information on cookshack or fast study by cookshack visit cookshack.com again that number 800-423-0698 or the email c underscore jones at cookshack.com for the july 21st and 22nd cookshack cooking class get in on that we're back with ibca president lynn shivers right after this Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, we are back. 216-220-0966. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ 
centralshow.com, number to get in touch with me. Uh, don't forget, coming up in about uh, 25 minutes from now, Clarence Joseph from Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue Team will be joining us. Uh, you know, I said at the beginning of this year that when we got into the competition side of things in 2014, it wasn't just going to be KCBS. And I especially wanted to get more involved with the IBCA. Tonight we kick it off in fine fashion. And what leads to an all-IBCA first hour, let's go ahead and race over the hotline. Welcome current president of the IBCA, Lynn Shivers, joining me here on the show. Lynn, how are you? I'm doing fine, Greg, and how are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Lynn. Appreciate you uh, making time for the show tonight. And, uh, you know, I guess a couple different places that we could start here. But uh, first, I guess for the people that don't know Lynn and kind of how you got involved with, uh, A, I guess, competition in general, but then how that uh, progressed into the IBCA stuff. Well, actually, uh, my husband's hobby is the way I got started. And um been involved ever since he got started in 85. So we, this is your husband's fault, basically, is what we can say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when you get involved in, in just the cooking part of it, how does that, I guess, translate into uh, deciding to get involved with an actual sanctioning organization and uh, kind of building in from there? Well, he was one of nine cooks that started the IBCA, and we needed someone to be involved in administering the judging. I volunteered, and the rest is history. All right, so when we look at the uh, the IBCA, I guess for the folks that you know, aren't familiar with all the sanctioning bodies that are out there, and then certainly there's a number of them. Uh, does uh, IBCA tend to live in, in a particular region of the country? Um, do you guys uh, spread the wings and, and kind of get all over the place? What's the, I guess, where's the sweet spot, and, uh, you know, where does the, the growth look to go? We basically are based in Texas, but we have events from Mississippi to Hawaii. We actually have the only sanctioned event in Hawaii at this time. How does that even come about? I mean, it seems like Hawaii is, uh, I guess, what you would call kind of uh, removed from the uh, the traditional United States. Uh, it, it well, just... the promoter is actually from Texas, and he contacted us to see if we could work with him, and we've been doing it, I think this will be our fourth year, wow. if not fifth, and we had 16 teams this past year. Yeah, I was just going to ask you how many teams show up. As far as uh, quality of team and quality of food, I guess, you know, myopically you would look at, uh, you know, the, the more traditional United States and say, well, you know, Texas, obviously Texas well-known as one of the, the true meccas of barbecue. When you push out to Hawaii, you, I guess you would seem to think there would be a different kind of flair when it comes to cooking the chicken and the ribs and the brisket. Uh, how, do, how, how do you think they stack up against what you would see in, in the normal uh, states? Well, we've actually had several teams that have traveled to Hawaii from the States because if they should happen to be lucky enough to win Grand Champion, it's an automatic into the Jack Daniels. Uh, they are using Brinkman or Weber's, um, different types of cookers. Lynn Shivers wow. joining me uh, here on the show. By the way, if you want to check out the uh, website, uh, ibcabbq.com is, uh, is the website. If no, you it's check. .org, Greg. Oh, I'm sorry. is it? 
Sorry, .org. IBCABBQ.org? Yes. All right. Sorry about that. My bad. Um, so check it. Don't put .com. Do .org if you want to check out while we're talking here tonight. Um, when you have these contests and – well, let us let me back out just for a second. As far as, you know, if I was going to go and, and cook in an IBCA, if you could kind of break down what's expected of, uh, of the cooks, what meats I'm going to cook, and how the judging takes place. Okay. We do basically one half chicken, pork spare rib, and brisket. We do not allow baby backs. Um, brisket, we tell them exactly uh, how many slices to put in the container. It can be between a quarter and three-eighths inch thick. We do seven pork spare ribs unless we get into a larger event and over 50 and we turn in two half chickens, nine ribs and nine slices of brisket. Hmm. The judging is done by the general public. Um, We ask them to look at the box, smell of it, look at it, taste of it, Give it a score from 1 to 10, 10 being the very best. And they are judged on aroma, color, texture, taste, and overall. Is there a, you know, some of these uh, sanctioning bodies have, like, classes or certifications. When you say it's done by the the general public, can you show up to an event, uh, ask if there's a judge slot open, and, and get a chair and get into that judge's tent? Yes, you can. How do you? We do not certify our judges. Basically, what you like in barbecue and what I like in barbecue would be totally different. How do you? Um, I, I'm actually a, a big fan of your style of judging. I think if you're going to sit down, and I'm sure the, the KCBS and the FBA people are falling over and, and cursing my name right now. Um, <laughs> but t- so here, you know, my opinion is this. Like you just said, if I sit down and I take a taste of a rib and you take a taste of a rib, our flavor profiles or, or things that we enjoy on our palates are going to be pretty different, uh, um, it's safe to assume. So why bother trying to tell somebody what should taste good or, or how it should taste to be scored a certain way when I know what tastes good to me and you know what tastes good to you. And if you put all these people together in a judge's tent, chances are a lot of people are going to cancel each other out. And uh, like always, cream will rise to the top. Exactly. Judging is very subjective. And that's the reason we like Joe Public. They are not allowed to touch the meat, they use a plastic knife and fork to judge, even the ribs. They are allowed one quarter of a rib, but they will judge approximately 15 containers. Do you have a uh, – oh, let me ask this question because I found it interesting. I know, uh, you know, in, in some of the other sanctioning bodies, I guess it's up uh, for choice. You can do spares, you can do baby back ribs, uh, but it's just spares here in IBCA. Uh, why has that been – why has there been a delineation between doing just spares versus having the choice between the two? Basically, there's not enough meat on a baby back to make it 
through the judging. Because at a large event, you could have as many as 17 to 25 judges judge out of one container. Oh, really? Wow. They are. We do not go back and ask for additional meat. We are totally blind. Uh, some people think we are a little antique, but we use theater tickets on our containers. The cook will find one copy of it, and the other one, it remains on the container. Until we go to the awards, and remove that ticket. No one has a, uh, knows whose container it is. Do you think doing it that way uh, kind of leads to the drama during awards? Seems like it would be a little bit more exciting that way. Well, it definitely does because you you're watching to see who's going to be coming out of the crowd when you call that ticket off. Right. And if it's their ticket number, usually they get excited. Lynn Shivers joining me here on the show. Uh, IBCABBQ.org is the website if you uh, want to check it out here while we're chatting. Um, Lynn, obviously there was a, a very large uh, series. Well, it was, I, mean, I don't know, large, but three, uh, a three competition series, the, the W3 Barbecue Cookoff Series uh, that just ended this past week, and that was sanctioned by uh, IBCA. When you have you know, a, a company or a number of companies kind of coming to you for uh, judging, uh, judging sanctions uh, to do their series, is that something that really kind of excites you and, and shows you that there's still a, a passion and a growth for the competition side of barbecue, just in general? Well, it, there is definitely a growth. The Western Three was a success. We had to work through some problems to begin with, but we got through them <laughs> because of the uh, tickets. Them wanting to the cooks to present their tickets to them uh, prior to the judging. And needless to say, that's very much against the IBCA rule. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would imagine at the end, uh, having proper sanctioning is going to be reigning supreme over, you know, kind of uh, getting a little bit more of a, I don't want to say getting your (laughs) way, but uh, I mean, you want to have something that's uh, there and following all the rules uh, while you're doing a series Mm -hmm. like this. Well, it takes additional people to do what Western Wood did. After the brisket was turned in, the cooks were asked to uh, present their ticket numbers. But it was not until the last category was turned in. And then they had uh, some young ladies that entered all of the ticket numbers. That's the way they were able to do it. Would you be interested in uh, sanctioning another series if they decide to stretch it into like a six or, or a ten or you know maybe even something similar to, to like what the the KCBS has with uh, Sam's Club? Is that something that the IBCA would be uh, welcome to, yes, to take a look at? Uh, we're looking, you know, we're working with that and um, waiting to see what will produce itself. Our organization is growing about 20% every year. Wow. Uh, in 2013, we sanctioned 243 events. 
We already have over 200 events on the calendar for this year. Do you, do you have an idea of the percentage of people that are members of the IBCA and the percentage of people that are actually uh, doing a, a cook during the course of a year? Uh, usually our membership runs around 90% cookers. Wow. Um, we don't have the membership like KCBS does of the certified judges. 90% of our membership, like I say, are cooks. At a lot of the events, um, you would have anywhere from 50 to 60% IBCA members when it's an IBCA-sanctioned event, sometimes a little higher. Do you need to be an IBCA member to take part? Uh, like if I wanted to, to come down from Cleveland and cook in a contest in Texas, do I need to be an IBCA member in order to take part in a contest? No, you do not. The only um, reason that most people are members is we have added money that is paid out in the different areas. Part of our sanctioning fee we take and we pay back to the members that are members of the different groups. And in uh, October the past few years, we have done the cook-off at Trader's Village in Grand Prairie to where we took the added money and paid back to the top 15 in each meat category. If they happen not to be a member and they placed, then the money dropped down to the next IBCA member. So 16th and 17th place had won the IBCA money. Oh, so potentially it does pay to be an IBCA member to a certain degree. Uh, when uh, $35 a year uh, <laughs> from September 1st to August 31st of each year. Uh, I've had a couple of young guys that failed to pay their membership on time. And at Trader's Village, it ended up costing them close to a thousand bucks. Oh well, yeah. See, a uh, uh, small expense, uh, wise investment uh, to be there again. IBCABBQ.org uh, is the website if you want to check it out. Uh, Lynn, I mean, you've been around it since 1985, as you said, when you started in with your husband, and uh, obviously now you're uh, president of a very large sanctioning body. As you look back over the years, you know there are two or three things that have really surprised you or really taken you aback as, wow, I didn't really see this turn in the road as competition barbecue going this way, or I never thought we would see so much injecting or using this kind of a spice or that kind of a spice. What has really stood out to you as changes of, of evolution of barbecue over the years? I guess the growth, because 25 years ago when IBCA started, if you would have told us that we would have had a 1,000 members today, and do over 200 events, I would have told them, everybody, they were crazy. <laughs> um, the people involved, the television coverage has definitely perked everybody's attention to barbecue. And uh, it's been a fun ride. I've actually been able to judge events from uh, Virginia to California, and the people that I've met, and just everything about them has been a great experience. When you're going from region to region, if you're eating in Virginia, I mean, obviously you're very accustomed to eating in Texas, you go out to 
California, do you notice differences in flavor profiles as you're judging, or do they seem pretty consistent from uh, east to west and north to south? Well, to be honest with you, Greg, I very seldom taste of the barbecue because I'm just overseeing the judging. Uh, I've gotten to where pork is about the only thing I can eat without getting indigestion. Um, as far as big events coming up in 2014, I mean, obviously every event that you guys are sanctioning is big, but are there some, some big marquee events that, uh, you know, the, the, the cooks like to get out to and, and try and win during the course of a year? Well, we've just recently had, well, since January, we've had six that's had over a hundred teams. Wow. Three, uh, two of them being the Western Wood. Uh, we actually had one a couple of weeks ago for the West Volunteer Fire Department where we had the explosion last year and lost our uh, promoter. And so it was a great event. We have several others that's coming up within the next couple of months. Uh, we have one over at Terrell, Texas, which is a close to 100 team. And they have not only the barbecue, but they have the car show and um, arts and crafts, something for the whole family. Yeah, I think that's uh, key when you're doing, uh, you know, barbecue competitions is, you know, if you're not competing, you might as well get down there and uh, check some other things out as well. And and, and I guess maybe what's a little bit different um, with with the IBCA as well is uh, uh, people can get uh, food from from teams, correct? Or is that incorrect? I'm sorry, uh, I didn't understand that. Can can, uh, can like uh, people just showing up to to kind of look and, and take it all in? Are they able to to get food from the teams as well, or is that a no no? No, they they are not allowed uh, to get food from the teams because of the health rules. The teams basically are cooking for the judges. Gotcha. All right. Now we're always welcome anybody to come in and sit down and judge. That's the easiest way to get the food, right? Exactly. And not <laughs> only do you uh, you get to taste of, like I said earlier, up to 15 different containers. Mm. So there's 15 different profiles there. Well, it sounds like uh, I'm going to be looking for the nearest IBCA judging uh, competition where I'm at. Uh, of course, nobody ever comes up to Cleveland. I'm stuck here all by myself here, Lynn. Um, you, well, you just need to make a trip down to Texas. That sound, trust me, after a day like today, that couldn't sound any more inviting uh, as we battle snowstorms here again. Uh, but nevertheless, we're talking with uh, IBCA President Lynn Shivers. Again, the website ibcabbq.org if you want to check it out. Lynn, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for coming up. Well, thank you for coming. You got it. There she is. Miss President. Lynn Shivers of IBCA. And look, I'm going to sit here and tell you unabashedly that that is the way to judge. I mean, who are we as a human society to tell people this is what's right and this is what's wrong. I mean, to me, IBCA has it right. Hey, sit down. Is it? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Does it look good to you? Does it not look good to you? Who's Who are you to tell me what should look good or what should not look good? Who are you? I think I'm all on board for that. I think people should be a little... 
They should be a little more open-minded when it comes to judging stuff like that. Maybe it would iron some problems out in some other place. All right, folks, if you're like me, you're looking to step up that barbecue and grilling game. Easiest way to do it, Butcher Barbecue, Dave Bosca. No validation needed. I don't need to tell you that he's been on TV a bunch of times. I don't need to tell you that teams that have won the Houston Livestock and Rodeo competition have used Dave's products. Teams from KCBS, FBA, IBCA all use Butcher Barbecue products. How about the fact that Dave Bosca himself uses Butcher Barbecue products? How about I have a five-pound bag of honey rub that I used on a pork butts over the weekend? Yeah, you're damn right. This stuff's great. Uh, so we obviously know that Butcher is well-known for the injections of pork, the beef, the prime, the bird booster. Uh, perhaps you're looking for the go-to rubs, the sauces. Friends, again, the mother load has been hit. Butcher Barbecue, full line of award-winning rubs. Uh, two personal favorites of mine, that steak and brisket rub, of course, and then that honey rub, which I just mentioned. If you're going to use that premium rub and you inject, you know, use a premium rub. It's uh, used and made especially to work hand-in-hand with that Butcher's Barbecue injection. Perfect one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike. And last but not least, I was just having some on. I made a, a reheated pulled pork on a slider bun. Some Butcher Barbecue sweet sauce on the bottom of the bun and a nice heavy hand of pulled pork. Uh, French fried onion ring, creamy coleslaw, boom on top. Man, that Butcher's Barbecue sauce. Nice bit of tang and, and sweetness and heat. Man, I love it. Can't go wrong with it. Everybody knows I'm as stingy as it comes when I'm tasting other people's barbecue sauce. And by stingy, I mean I don't usually like other people's barbecue sauce, which is why I don't usually like to review barbecue sauces on this show, but sometimes I will. You need to visit ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Don't forget, trade-in program still going on right now. If you don't like somebody else's commercially made injection, send it back to Dave. He'll replace it with his stuff. Also, the injection shaker or whatever, I guess, the proper name for that is, but gives you all the lines of demarcation to build your uh, injections properly, on-site, off-site, whatever. You can take it with you. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. We're back with Clarence Joseph right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. Uh, Once again, thanks to Lynn Shivers joining me to talk about the IBCA. IBCABBQ.org, place to go for that. Uh, a few weeks back, we talked to the director of the W3 Barbecue Series. That came to an end this past weekend, and the winner of the W3 Series joins me now to talk about his time during that win, their series, all that good stuff. Uh, Pitmaster of Mama Seven, uh, Mama Seven, Mama and Papa Joe Barbecue Team. Let's uh, go ahead and race over to the hotline. And welcome in Clarence Joseph to the show. Clarence, how are you? How are you doing, Greg? Doing absolutely fabulous, Clarence. And you? 
Oh, life is great. Life is great. Can't okay. complain. As uh, the great Tony Rizzo locally here in Cleveland says, it's good to be alive because, quite honestly, what's the alternative? Absolutely. I uh, can't argue with that. That's right. Uh, Clarence Joseph is the pitmaster of Mama and Papa Joe's barbecue team. So let me start right there before I uh, ask about the background on that stuff. I'm uh, endlessly fascinated by how teams come up with names. And uh, yours certainly uh, gets my attention. How do you come up with Mom and Papa Joe's barbecue team? Uh, there are uh, several uh, parts to that name. Uh, first of all, uh, my dad... Uh, my dad, my dad was sort of the uh, the neighborhood Don, and uh, a lot of people came to him uh, uh, over the years, uh, you know, asking for help. Uh, and he was uh, commonly referred to as Papa Joe's. Uh, when I decided to start uh, barbecuing, uh, a buddy and I, Paul Carnell, uh, we started a team together, and I am uh, still a great fan of uh, of uh, the the group, uh, the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, so we sort of uh, made that our name. Uh, and when we decided to cook uh, individually, uh, just the wife and I, uh, I sort of put those two pieces together. And uh, uh, there you have uh, Mom and Papa Joe's. Uh, currently, it's just the wife and I cooking together. At what point did you decide that you would try your hand at competition barbecue? Typically, there's like a, a precipitating event or you have a buddy that got into it and you kind of just got dragged along by the nape of your neck. I mean, how do you get into it? Uh, uh, and uh, again, it's, it's the same buddy, Paul Carnell. You know, uh, we're military buddies. We started uh, we started cooking together and uh, we used to live very close to each other. We'd spend uh, weekends at each other's houses. uh uh, barbecuing back and forth, and we always had the, the the kidding going on as to whose barbecue was better. And uh, a couple of years ago, when the the Pitmasters uh, TV show really started spreading across the nation, uh, for us it just seemed like the the, the natural step uh, to take it uh, forward and, and throw our hats in the ring. And uh, uh, we launched uh, in 2010, and uh, this is where we are currently. How many events are you guys looking to take part in during the course of the year? Uh, last year we did 28. Uh, this year I'm looking to at least reach that number again, uh, if not surpass it. I'd like to surpass uh, 28. You know, we look back uh, this past weekend, obviously it was the last event of the uh, W3 cook-off series. There were two preceding events. Uh, you win this past weekend, you take – uh, the overall championship. If you could take me back um, kind of through that whole series and kind of gauge your cooks and kind of where you were plotting yourself in uh, coming up to this last competition this past weekend. Uh, Greg, I've got to tell you, it's been uh, an amazing uh, weekend. I'm still on cloud nine. You know, as I look back to last uh, November uh, when the, uh, the series started in uh, green, uh, I went into that series feeling really good. Uh, I thought I thought I turned in some uh, excellent products, but uh, apparently I made some mistakes along the way. Uh, I, uh, I actually had a, a, a chicken DQ, uh, uh, and that's the first time in uh, in since I've been competing. But uh, I sort of made up for it with a first place brisket uh, to some degree. Uh, went into the second uh, cook again and again. Uh, couple of things didn't go right. Uh, the best I did in that second event was a fifth place chicken. Uh, uh, 
my ribs again didn't go very far and i found out uh, where my mistake was in the ribs and uh after uh after helotis i really uh spent some time working out the kinks and uh uh coming into uh pleasanton uh i've been doing some really good uh finishes uh at the uh the competitions prior to prior to pleasanton and uh as we went in, I felt good. I felt good about all my turn-ins, and uh, the results showed. When you're working those competitions prior to this Pleasanton, are you trying to nail down the like certain flavor flavor profiles? Were you trying to hit uh, new finish temperatures? Was it a combination of both? Were you working on a sauce? What were you looking to really pound down before you got into this For last? For me, one? it was uh, – I, uh, I thought I uh, had been overcooking uh, – one of my products, and uh, I, uh, I ended up cutting back on my cooking time, uh, and uh, that that seemed to have been my only issue. You know, one of my products was either hit or miss. I mean, I'd be top three or bottom three, it seems, and I couldn't figure out why. And uh, just over the, the process of eliminating some of the things that you think might be problems, uh, I think I was able to figure it out. And uh, like I said, I was able to put it all together uh, in Pleasanton. You know, I talked with Steve Graham's, uh, you know, two, three weeks ago, kind of leading up into this last competition this past weekend. And he was really pumping up the event itself, the series itself, doing a very good job at it. I mean, he speaks very well. You know, from a cook's perspective, obviously you're a cook's cook. What did you think of the series, how it was put together? And is this something that you would like to see maybe even get bigger and better for next year? You know, uh, even in those cook-offs uh, that I didn't do as well as I wanted, you know, I kept uh, I kept uh, giving Westonwood praise for the way the cook-off was ran, uh, for the for the uh, the the just the the innovation that uh, they were putting into this series. You know, uh, in terms of uh, money, uh, the, the the type of money they were uh, putting out there was unheard of. Uh, the innovative scoring system, uh, the technology, the use of technology in scoring system. Uh, you know, uh, I really think Weston has got a group of uh, individuals that are uh, that are looking to the future, and I see no reason why they cannot be uh, a leader nationally in terms of uh, uh, the barbecue arena. CJ joining me here on the show, Clarence Joseph, Mama and Papa Joe's barbecue team. Uh, CJ, you got a website for people to check out? Uh, it's it's a Facebook uh, website, Mama and Papa Joe's. Uh, I don't have a uh, a personal uh, uh, team page, so to speak, but uh, we we do our thing on Facebook, uh, like many of the other cooks Ooh, do. Every I think many of everybody does a lot of things on Facebook. Probably some oh. people uh, should are regretting things they do on Facebook from time to time. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let me pick your brain just a little bit about, um, you know, uh, un- unfortunately I think this show sometimes gets unfairly pigeonholed and probably has something to do with me of being a, uh, a KCBS um, show that, that deals a lot with these cooks. And I said, you know what, 2014 is the year where I really branch out and, and start to hit all the sanctioning bodies. And IBCA one that is, was one that I really marked off to, to try and get in and, and get the mindset of, you know, there's different rules, there's different – well, there's not the same amount of meats that you're turning in. There's no garnish in boxes. A lot of the stuff that you hear on this show traditionally is stuff that uh, isn't happening down in IBCA. So as, a, as somebody that is 
really familiar with the way things are cooked down there and the way competitions run. Why do you like taking part in those? And I guess especially talk on the judging, you know, where I could walk in and, and, and judge your food. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think uh, there are just some awesome uh, parts to KCBS cooking. Uh, and if I was able to tech, take the best of both uh, Texas uh, sanctioning bodies and the KCBS sanctioning bodies, put those two together, I think uh, it would be uh, uh, the perfect uh, sanctioning body to, to run a cook-off. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the, of the garnish in KCBS. Uh, I would love to do uh, more KCBS cooks. I've only done one. I uh, uh, made it to the, the Royale a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the garnish. You know, uh, in a barbecue competition, I really think the, the meat ought to speak for itself. Absolutely, uh, the meat should, should do the talking. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I absolutely uh, I love what we're doing here in Texas. I would like to see more of a, uh, a scoring system uh, such as uh, KCBS is using. Uh, you know, Weston Wood was able to put something very nice together uh, that worked well for all the, uh, the cooks who were involved. Uh, I would like to see some of our uh, sanctioning bodies in Texas uh, adopt something similar. Clarence Joseph joining me here on the show. Mama and Papa Joe's barbecue team is uh, is their uh, team name. If you want to uh, check them out, you said they're on Facebook, so go check them out. Um, You've done one KCBS competition. I mean, would you like to, if you had your druthers, would you like to get around and, and take part in all the different sanctioning bodies just to get a, a little bit of a flavor? Would you like to do uh, an MBN type thing? And uh, you know, I, I'm not very knowledgeable about the MBN, but uh, definitely, uh, I, 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 I definitely find myself getting uh, more involved in KCBS cooks. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I had an opportunity uh, to cook one. Uh, in Cedar, uh, we've got Cedar Park, Texas coming up shortly. And uh, I was already committed. Uh, I had already committed to another cook-off, so uh, I had to pass it up. But uh, we're looking at uh, heading back to the American Royale this year. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can do a little bit better than we did uh, uh, two years ago. For the beginner or you know, the novice guy or, or the hack like me in the backyard, uh, and obviously, you know, you're pretty successful and you're probably getting a lot of questions all the time about, you know, how can I make my barbecue better? What are some of the, the key things that you tell people when they approach you about some advice on, you know, what can I do in the backyard that's really going to produce a, a good end product for my family or my friends? I think the best thing you can do in the backyard uh, is to get somebody that's going to give you some uh, some uh, truthful uh, critique, you know. Friends and family eating for free tend to tell you uh, what you want to hear. <laughs> you know, you've got to find some friends that are going to be very brutal. Uh, you know, my wife is one of those. I don't always like to hear what she has to say uh, in terms of what I'm trying to get done. Uh, but uh, she's more often than not, she's uh, she's she's very accurate. So I would tell a beginner, man, you know, find find somebody that, that you can trust. Uh, find neighbors, uh, send, send, send some food to some neighbors that you're not very friendly with and ask for honest critique. Uh, and, uh, after that practice, 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 you know, I can't tell you how much meat I've, uh, I've burned up in the backyard, how much meat I've fed the neighbors, uh, trying to get to the, to this point <laughs> in my cooking career. So definitely practice, practice, practice. What, uh, what do you use for a cooker of preference? 
Uh, my cooker is uh is a gator pit. Yeah, uh, my, my cooker is a gator pit uh out of Houston. Yeah, uh, it's uh the Captivator uh, model. Uh, not overly large, but uh, uh, perfect size for co- uh, competitions uh, and uh, for uh, for larger groups. If I plan on cooking for larger groups, Richie Robin makes a great product out there, Ab- no doubt about it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Last question before I let you go, CJ, and appreciate the time. You know, you mentioned that you and the wife that are the team out there. You know, on the course of a given weekend, you know, a lot of guys probably hooking up and barbecue to get away from the wife, uh, not take her with them uh, during the course of a weekend. Uh, does it ever get uh, does it ever get contentious in the tent when things are going off and turning in? You guys uh, work well together. Uh, we work very well together because she understands me. Uh, you know, uh, my wife Alicia has, um, has been. Uh, my wife for 28 years. She understands me. Uh, she knows when things aren't going as I want to uh, to back off of me. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, uh, when things aren't going well, she she'll step away. She'll go to somebody else's camp and and give me some time to to cool down. Uh, but uh, she understands uh, what we're doing. Uh, she's there uh, uh, and uh, absolutely. One of the things she does is uh, she gives me my space. She gives me a little space on Friday night, so I can uh, I can get to hang out with uh, with my boys and have a little fun. But uh, come Saturday morning, uh, she's ready for business. Clarence Joseph is the pitmaster of Mama and Papa Joe's barbecue team. Uh, Clarence, really appreciate the time tonight breaking it down for us, man. Love to have you back on again soon. Uh, Greg, I really appreciate the opportunity and I uh, want to thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. We'll do it again soon. All right. There he is, Clarence Joseph. CJ, everybody, if you uh, – uh, one of my uh, birds told me that uh, he goes by CJ. So, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm the kind of guy that wants to make sure that I'm not overstepping, you know, nicknames and stuff. So, you know, when he says, you know, later, like in an email or something, you know, call me CJ next time. You know, then I'm more than happy to oblige. But, you know, my dad brought me up right. You know, don't disrespect. Let people tell you what to – let people tell you what to call them. I think that's that is that what you used to say back in the old days. Um, yeah, so uh, check them out on Facebook, Mama and Papa Joe's BBQ Team, Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue Team. That's uh, CJ Clarence Joseph. Uh, we'll come back, wrap up the first hour. Right after this, uh, let me talk to you quickly about the longest running sponsor of the show, Barbecue Guru. Supposed to be on the show tonight. We had to hold off on that. Big plans in the works. We'll uh, revisit Bob Trudnack here in a couple weeks. But these are the guys that uh, came up with, originated, and perfected automatic pit temperature control devices. Now, if you're not familiar with how these things work, let me tell you. Imagine a product that allows you to set a pit temperature, and once set, it keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology today. Uh, Maybe you are a busy working professional like me, or perhaps when I wasn't a busy working professional, I was always constantly on the run with kids doing errands. Quite frankly, I didn't have the time to set around 10 pit temperatures. I'm sure you don't either. The Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs, and you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Guru maintains the pit temperature you set it at. Currently, a number of different models to choose from. The one sweeping the nation... Ready to be re-unveiled? Can you re-unveil a uh, Party Q? 129 bucks, most versatile automatic pit temperature control. 
that is on the market today. It's self-contained. It runs on AA batteries. You can switch it from cooker to cooker. $10 more for the baffle if you have the uh, ceramic or the Kamado-style cookers. If you're in the market for a cooker, let me talk to you quickly about the Onyx Oven. It has been winning on the competition circuit as well as in backyards all over the country. Fully insulated, holds a ton of meat, accommodates half and full pans for food service, works seamlessly with, of course, the Barbecue Guru pit temperature devices. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com. Check out all their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. I don't want you to wind up getting something that you don't need or that you're confused with. So, I, hey, if I'm confused, chances are somebody else is confused out there. They'll take all the guesswork out of it. Again, 800-288-GURU or visit the website, thebbqguru.com, the Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we're back to wrap up the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Back 216-220-0966. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Uh, Alan writing in via email, where the hell Scott Roberts? I need rub review. I hear you. Um, man, I don't know if it's karma, if we're on the same wavelength, Alan, or what, but uh, literally, literally... Uh, had an email exchange with Scott Roberts a little bit earlier today, and uh, we're going to shoot for next week. So just relax. Next week, by the way, could be one of the biggest shows in recent memory. We're going to talk about that at the top of the second hour. Uh, IBCA Hour, wrapping up. If you have never heard or never taken part in or never bothered to go to... It's 2014. We're going to do it all this year. We're going to do it live. We'll do it live. Covering all the sanctioning bodies, getting all the insights. CJ, winner of the W3 Barbecue Cook-Off Series. Um, last event taking place this past weekend in Pleasanton, Texas. Um, cooking chicken, half chickens, spare ribs only, brisket, no pork butt. Not in Texas, please. Not in Texas, please. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's right, Sweet Brown. Nobody's got time for that. Not in Texas. Maybe sausage. Um, da, da, da. Yeah, that's right. Bill Rempe weighing in. People will let you know what to call them. And you will doing... And you will doing so... When you feel comfortable doing so. Well said, son. I knew I had it, right? I knew it. All right. um, We're going to uh, get ready to reload here for the second hour. I'm going to re-top off my tasty libation of ice-cold water. 
Uh, we'll get into some second takes. We'll recap some Sam's Club. We'll talk about who's going to be on the show next week. I have a email question, statement, or whatever from a, a budding favorite of the show, Gene Apaseo. Gene, you're coming up in the second hour right at the top, so be ready. Be prepared. I'm going to answer any and all questions that you have. You're going to see what I say when I'm talking about Gene here. Uh, thanks again, uh, first hour, to Lynn Shivers, current president of the IBCA, and uh, Clarence Joseph from Mama and, uh, Mama and Papa Joe's barbecue team. Uh, we'll step away real quick. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Those are the uh, two ways to get in touch with the show. We'll be back here in just a minute or two. And, uh, uh-oh. App, it's app, app, Apple Seller. Apple Seller. Apple Seller. Perfect. Uh, look, Eugene, nobody's got a worse last name than me. So know that my malice is done with humor and love. All right, well, we'll step away. We'll come back right after this. Stick around. I'll be right back. here for the really big barbecue show we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to fine how's it going <laughs> you have a great show i'm a big fan so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle charbono it's all about the charbono dude Succulent fish, what? We ate 50 before wieners. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's chick feet. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Ooh. Top men. All right, just like that, we are in the second hour. <clears throat> My goodness. All right, we're having a budding controversy in the chat room over uh, what Eugene's last name is. A, Alpha, Papa, India, Charlie, Echo, Lima, Lima, Alpha. Now, my phonetics tells me that it is either Apicella when I look, whenever I see a name, first name, last name, verb, noun, whatever, and there's double L's, 
I get all crazy and go back to uh, 10th grade Spanish class, and the double L is a ya. So I see this as apaseya. I don't think that's incorrect at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's right. Eugene, you should change your name if that's not right. Her apsella. Apsella. I don't uh, No, I like apaseya better. Eugene, change your last name, and that's it. That's uh, it's over. File for the, uh, I don't even know what the hell you file for when you do that. But do it now, and then uh, get back to me next week with your name change. All right, still to come on the show tonight, Patio Daddio's very own uh, John Dawson will be joining us, and then also Connie's Recipe Corner. Look at Eugene being smart with my last name. Never heard that one before. On the show next week, next week, you might want to tune in. You might want to set a reminder or Google alarm or whatever the kids are calling it these days because one Aaron Franklin will be joining us on the show. And I have the email to prove it. Listens to the show all the time. I mean, I doubt it. He's obviously, you know, humoring me. He's being very polite. Show me some respect. I don't know if he's a huge fan, but he said he listens to the show all the time. He's very excited. I was like, well, you listen to the show all the time, and you still want to come on? (laughs) He's like, yeah, well, you know, sometimes you got to do it. I'm surprised he hasn't been poisoned by the barbecue Illuminati. I am compiling a list. I'm going to put it on my website, and it's going to be called the Barbecue Illuminati. Let me see how many people are in this right now. This guy, this guy, maybe this person, and who did I just? No, he's not in. All right, so there's currently at least three people, at least three people in the barbecue Illuminati. And I'm not going to talk about their names because, as we all know, rule number one of the show, no names, please. But there's at least three people, and it could be growing in the barbecue Illuminati. And I don't want to talk about it specifically, but the Illuminati's first order of business is to not do this show anymore. You have been warned. Yeah, more like the Illuminata. No, the Illuminati. The secret barbecue society of people that conspire to not do this show for no good reason. You know who you are, the Illuminati. Don't join them because I won't have any more show to do. (laughs) The 2014 Sam's Club series continued to roll down the southern western portion of the country. We call it Tucson, Arizona this past weekend. Uh, This was a local event qualifier seeing the top six teams move on to Las Vegas, Nevada regional final, which will take place uh, just in a few short weeks, April 26th, so end of next month, top six teams moving on to that event are, in order, grand champion who I couldn't lock down for 1035, but I tried really hard and he had a work commitment, uh, Luton Booty Barbecue, uh, reserve grand champion, IAB, India Alpha Bravo 30 Barbecue, Knife, Pork, and Spoon Rhythm and Q, the Hog Pit Smokehouse, rounding up the top six, Steel City Barbecue. Sounds Pittsburgh to me. 
Next Sam's event in this coming uh, is this coming weekend, March 29th, in Sacramento, California, state capital, by the way, of California. In case you are geographically mental, good luck to all those competing this weekend. And here's this email that I was talking about, Greg. Uh, this is from Eugene Apaseya. I watched the first hour of the live show last week, the second hour on YouTube. You invited your audience to submit questions, even if the topic wasn't being discussed, which I, I'm, I'm going to digress. I always encourage that. Send me an email on anything. I will answer anything you want. doesn't even have to be barbecue or grilling related. You want some topics on uh, Middle Eastern relations? I got it. You want some uh, advice on bedroom relations? I'm an expert. So, without further ado, here goes. I check several barbecue chat groups, blogs, web pages from time to time. It seems that there are people who consider their grills to be outdoor stoves slash ovens. And that anything that can be prepared in the kitchen can be done outdoors. And I'm thinking, why don't they just do them on the stove or in the oven? In my humble opinion, the dishes that one prepares on the grill or in the smoker should be done as such. And the dishes that one would normally prepare in the kitchen should be done in the kitchen. For these reasons, I am not a fan of pizza on the grill or meatloaf on the grill. Although I do want to try the Pit Boys recipe for meatloaf wrapped in bacon or pasta on the grill and so on. I am a fan of those dishes that one traditionally prepares on the grill or in the smoker. So with apologies for the long lead in, here's my question. What is the thinking about Cooking outdoors, are the grills and smokers simply stoves and ovens? Can the dishes prepared on the grill be done in the kitchen and vice versa? Should they? I personally don't care or pay attention to any recipes that are start on the stove or in the oven and then finish on the grill or the smoker, nor am I interested in the recipes that start on the grill and then finish in the oven. East is east. West is West. As always, thanks for doing a great show. You should be on cable maybe one day. If nothing else about that email, Gene, I agree with your very last sentence. The rest is questionable. i got to be honest. You know, Gene, when I was your age, kind of uh, just getting into this whole deal, I was, uh, in a word, snobby as well. And I learned over the years that you know, oh, well, hold on. I didn't want to do that. You know, why? I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying. You know, why would you start something on a grill or a smoker transfer into the oven? Why would you start something on the oven or the stove transfer it to the grill? You know, I don't know if I'm necessarily a fan of doing that, but, you know, unlike you, I'm not opposed to trying. I mean, why wouldn't you want to try it? Variety, the spice of life, right? Um, there are many cooking implements made for the outdoors that uh, can do traditional grilling, that can do traditional barbecue stuff, but because of how they're made, because of the temperature control that they have, you can use them as an oven. You know, you can get a big green egg or uh, you know a lot of pellet cookers to sit at 350 degrees or 375 degrees. Now the question that you have is, well, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just bake a pie or a blueberry crisp in the oven, prepare it on the stove, make it in the oven? Uh, why would you put it in your cooker? Here's what I suggest: try it out, see how a uh, burning wood fuel 
or if you're just using a hardwood lump charcoal, uh, add a small chunk of applewood while you're smoke roasting or smoke baking your blueberry crisp or your apple pie or you know whatever it is you would traditionally make in the oven. Make it on the grill. Add a piece of smoke wood. You know, the things that you aren't getting in the stove are things that now you can try to attempt to get outdoors. You're not going to throw a piece of smoke wood in the oven and smoke your house out. You're missing out on that flavor profile. Why not throw a piece of smoke wood in or use a different kind of charcoal? Uh, or even if there's no flavor profile added by cooking pie or uh, eggs or, or whatever on the grill, get it outside. Leave the house a little bit cooler. You know, the middle of the uh, middle of the summer. Do you want to be pumping heat through the stove or through the oven? No, take it outside where it's already hot out. Let the kitchen cool down a bit. You know, don't. Uh, my parting advice on this question is this. Don't ever limit yourself, Gene. Don't ever limit yourself. Try it all. You know, Take it all in. Eat as much as you can. Uh, taste as much as you can. Cook as many different ways as you can. Write down what's good. Write down what's bad. If it was like the worst time you've ever had, don't try it again. If it was okay and you could write down some adjustments to make for the next time, why not do it? Don't shut, don't live in the box, Chief. Keep, keep looking outside the box. Why do you think I have Joey Chestnut on the show every once in a while? I mean, it has nothing to do with barbecue, but we get outside the box. Got it. Variety, the spice of life. Thank you for writing in. Keep the questions coming. If you uh, want to take part in the show with a question and get my direct feedback, I'm more than happy to welcome you. Gene, thank you. I haven't, I'm not 62 yet, but I'll be there, and then I'll be older than you. A uh, quick public service announcement from a barbecue jeweler to the star, Stephen DeFranco. Look, many different important holidays coming up here very shortly. You got Mother's Day, you got Father's Day, you got St. Patrick. They already have St. Patrick's Day? Yeah. Um, you know, Fourth of July, number of different things coming up. What do you want? You want jewelry for you, you want a watch for you, you want rings for you or your wife or whatever. Maybe you want some artisan wood bowls. number of different things that you can check out from my guy, Stephen DeFranco. StephenDeFranco.com is the website. See what he has in the inventory, and then once you find what you like, call him directly. Don't wait. 440-943-2700. That's 440-943-2700. And say, hey, Steve, it's uh, Greg, or it's Pete, or it's Mike, or it's Tina, and I'm a loyal centralite, Greg, every week telling me to call in, get the real deal. He's going to ask you a bunch of questions. He's going to try and meet the budget that you're looking to stay within. He's not going to upsell you or try and get you. He's not trying to make, like, a, you know, commission retire off you. He wants to earn your business time in, time out, customer for life. That's what they're striving for. They're not a huge chain operation that they need to pay for overhead and stupid college kids that are just looking to fatten their wallet. That's not what we're talking about here. It's Stephen DeFranco, high-class jeweler. It's the person I deal with specifically, who I trust solely with. When it has anything to do with my jewelry life, I trust my jewelry life to Stephen DeFranco, and you should too. 440-943-2700 or visit stephendefranco.com. In fact, Steve and I will be uh, judging a rib contest in historic downtown Willoughby here in just a few short months. So there you go. He's a, a barbecue expert just like me. Uh, we're back with Patio Daddio right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Shine with me, folks. Moonshine Bandits behind me. 216-220-0966 if you want to jump in on the show tonight. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com is the email address. Uh, we continue to have fun with Eugene at Eugene's expense, but that's all right. He's a good sport. Uh, we race over the hotline and welcome a, a dear friend of mine, somebody that has uh, left the bastion of Cleveland, Ohio at first opportunity and lets me hear about it all the time. John Dawson, Patio Daddio Barbecue. John, how are you, buddy? Rip How are you, buddy? I'm doing Long great. Time, no talk. What's up with uh, what's up with Boise? You know, it's just the best place on earth to live, but don't tell anybody. Um uh, my lips are sealed. I've said the same thing about Cleveland for years. I just get laughed at. Well, you're completely wrong, but we'll just let that go. No doubt about it. All right, uh, John Dawson joining me uh, the website by the way, patiodaddiobbq.com. Uh, John, if I could, it's been a little while since you've been on. Um, maybe a, a little bit of a quick refresher on, you know, why you got into the blog, uh, or, or perhaps even better, um, where your inspiration of cooking came from, how that led down to the live fire route, and then how the blog started, I guess. All right. Well, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Yep. I, I, I've always liked cooking. My grandmother used to make fun of me for making quote-unquote concoctions in the kitchen <laughs> as a kid, and I would rip out, as you would say, all manner of things and create great succulents yes. of <laughs> things that I thought were succulent, but uh, the rest of the family was like, what's wrong with this kid? So, And then my grandfather, he loved hanging outside, drinking a beer, cooking chicken on a grill, and I was there with him starting the fire with the gasoline. Yes, gasoline, big fire. It was like, it was like 4th of July pretty much every Saturday. It was great. And uh, we just sat out there, and he smoked cigars and drank beer, and we hung out in the sunshine. It was a beautiful thing over in, in the Beulah, as I'm sure you well, know where that is. Heartfelt. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's always kind of been in my blood. And then I left home, went in the Air Force for 10 years, and kind of took that with me. And at every opportunity, I would try to cook out for people and thought that, you know, everyone should be around a barbecue. And, of course, I still believe that to this day. And then... Um, how, how the blog started was my wife challenged me. She bought me a, a Weber Smoky Mountain and she said, Hey, um, you, I bought you this thing at Christmas, June. This is now June and it's pretty much still in the box. So I'm going to do something with this. And I, there's, Oh, by the way, there's a barbecue competition in town. I think you could do this. And she kind of told me the ins and outs of it. And I called the organizer and I told him, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, oh, yeah, come on out. Well, little did I know it was a state championship with 33 teams. And so I roll in with my uh, with my one Smoky Mountain and my uh, my Sprinkman Smoking Pit non-pro, which I call Black Betty. And I was embarrassed. I mean, there was all these RVs and all these campers. I mean, even back in 2006, it was just crazy. And I thought, I need to get out of here. This is just utter embarrassment. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I paid the entry fee. I'm here. 
you know, I'm in it to win it. So I'm just going to suck it up and do what I can do. And in that team of that, that 33 teams from all across, the, all across the Northwest, I came in third in chicken. Wow. And so right out of the gate, I was a little bit hooked and they said, Oh, by the way, there's a competition in Utah in Salt Lake city in two weeks. So I went and bought another WSM loaded it in my pickup and drove down there with my still ghetto two WSMs and smoking pit. And I took first in chicken fourth in pearl pork and sixth in brisket. And I came in fourth overall at another state championship, like the second time out. So I was totally hooked. So then the blog became just an extension. Um, I love photography. I'm an artist by training and I do web development by day. So the blog just became basically an electronic cookbook. I got tired of writing recipes on napkins and telling people, Hey, I'll email you a recipe. I thought, hey, if I could put a picture with a recipe and the quote-unquote blog thing, which I never intended to be a blogger, you know, it can be my electronic cookbook. And so I did that, and now it's taken on a life of its own. And and I've got a bunch of partners and people that I'm really appreciative of that appreciate what I do. And so it's kind of a hobby that pays for itself at this point. What are some of the the tangible benefits of keeping the blog up and running i mean obviously you know for the people that don't know uh, you know to be a successful blogger uh, and i don't consider myself to be a blogger by any stretch of the imagination but you know when i go to blogs to read you know obviously the the first thing that has to be there is fresh content so how do you continue to challenge yourself to be able to post stuff uh, to keep people coming back and, and trafficking your site well, it's interesting because right now you've hit me at kind of a low point because in the last five or four and a half months, we've had two really close deaths in the family. So um, I don't say that for sympathy. I'm just saying that my, I've fallen behind. I used to set a goal. My goal was at two posts a week was my initial goal. And then, of course, I have three teenage daughters and a life and a house and a <laughs> real job and all that stuff. Yeah. So it became, okay, bare minimum one post a week. And so lately that's fallen off because I've just been dealing with lawyers and estate people and just all kinds of crazy stuff. So I'm way behind and I've got a stack of reviews that I owe owe people and I take that very seriously. So what I do for fresh content is, is I, I just basically try to bring people along with what I do in my normal life. And fortunately for me, uh, that means that cookbook show up at my door today. I got Melissa Cooks, Cookston's cookbook showed up at my door. Grills show up at my door. Sauces show up at my door. Um, so I, I'm really blessed in the sense that I have lots of opportunity for new material. And so I just try to be true to the things that I believe in. I write about. I I don't pull any punches. I call it like I see it. And uh, and so I, I've got a lot of great partnerships. Kingsford. I've got two new ones in the pipeline. For this year, and so you know, Hidden Valley Ranch and Johnsonville Sausage, and um, I just got a great team of partners that come back to me year after year because they know that I consistently post good content or what I think is good content. And there's a lot of fringe benefits. I get a lot of trips out of the deal. I get a lot of product out of the deal. So it's like I said, it's a hobby that pays for itself. I don't ever really want it to be a job at this point. I just want it to be. Let me do what I do. And I'll give you some good attention and you, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing. As long as I believe in what you're doing, I, I will never put my name on something I don't believe in. So 
uh, I'm just kind of really blessed in that sense. John Dawson joining me, creator of the Patio Daddio BBQ.com blog. Um, John, as you started it, as you see where it is now, obviously, as you said, you're kind of uh, low on post right now, but obviously that'll change. How have you seen the evolution of your blog from when you started it till you're here today? Did it pretty much take the path that you saw, or, or have there been a lot of different crazy turns that you didn't even expect? Oh, I, I had no clue. That it, I mean, like I said, I started out with the goal being I just want to make my information available to people so I can send them a URL rather than send them a recipe and then get their feedback. And so the blog was just a natural for that. So I never had any inclination to turn it into to anything that it's become. So it, it is literally like when I say it's taken on a life of its own, it's very literally been that way. I mean, um, I'm blessed to say that I turn away a lot of product and a lot of opportunities and especially this time of the year, I mean, obviously, you know, as well as I do, and anybody in barbecue knows there's a natural ebb and flow in the season. So, you know, you ride the wave of Memorial Day that leads into barbecue season, that leads into tailgating season, that leads into Christmas and Thanksgiving and all that stuff. So I just ride the wave and there's just no shortage of people that want to get their word out. And so what I do is I just sit back and say, okay. What, what do I think my, my readers are interested in? What would I buy if I was a reader? Um, and so I just want to always be true to who I am. I, it's not unlike some other bloggers, and I won't mention any names, that will take anything that comes along as a as an opportunity to kind of feather their own nest. I, I'm not like that. I will literally turn people away and say, listen, uh, I don't want a robotic scrubber that cleans my grill because it's just kind of crazy, you know. So I take a kind of a Shark Tank approach. If it works for me, it'll work for my my readers, and so that's just kind of how I approach it. But the short answer is no. I had no idea it would be where it is today, and every year it just ceased, never ceases to amaze me. You know, you touched on it just a second ago, and uh, you know maybe we could delve into it just a little bit more. You know, for the folks that are thinking about blogging or, or doing something. Similar to you, maybe it's in a completely different arena or different industry, but bloggers uh, by trade are, are similar-minded type people. They like to write. They like to produce content. So, of course, along with that, there's got to be a certain code of ethics to go along. You know, What have you found amongst the other barbecue bloggers that you respect and, and that you look up to? What's okay to do? What's douchey to do? What's straight-up illegal that you don't want to do for the people that uh, should be taking into account before they open up their own blogs and start going? Well, really, to me, it all starts at do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, if you stumble upon something that you like and you want to you know, shout from the rooftops or post or whatever it is, at least ask, hey, could, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. Do you mind? And usually most bloggers, myself included, will say, listen, as long as you link back to me, and you put a byline on there or give me attribution is kind of the, the buzzword. I don't really care what you do because in the end, you know, you're getting some benefit. I'm getting some benefit. We can all play along well in the sandbox and life's good. But there are there are a few select people and uh, I'm not going to name any names, but there are some people out there that will take it as an opportunity to go um, steal, you know, and I will use that word very Error very intentionally. They will steal other people's content, be it pictures, be it recipes, be it whatever, 
and they will put it under on their site, which gives it the impression that this is my creative um, intellectual property. Well, it's, you know, and they basically wait around for someone to catch them. And if nobody catches them, then they think they, you know, kind of, quote unquote, got away with something. <laughs> so I've, I've caught a few people using my pictures, one of them which was on a, a barrel smoker company. And they were using a product that doesn't even belong to me, the pit barrel cooker. They were using my pictures of another cooker as in their electronic catalog. So at that point, it really skirts the line between, okay, not only are you infringing on my intellectual property being the photograph that I created, but now you're causing potential harm to my partner who gave me that cooker in good faith that I took a picture of. So I feel like I have an obligation to go to the mat for them and say, Hey, listen, and I don't, I don't, I don't try to bring, I'm not a big fan of lawyers. You know, I apologize for some lawyers out there, but as long as I can keep (laughs) lawyers out of the picture, I will say, Hey, listen, this isn't right. It's wrong. And most people to their credit will do the right thing. They'll say, we'll take it down. We sorry. And they will be overly apologetic. But then there are other people like the, some of the bloggers that I mentioned or tacitly mentioned that will just be like, what's the big deal? Uh, and they just don't get it that this is you're stealing my stuff in order to make yourself look better. And it's just not cool. So at that point, it's, you know, like I said, I want to keep my blog a hobby. So I don't want to drag a bunch of lawyers in and do cease and desist letters and all that kind of crap. So I just try to appeal to their sense of just dignity and, and doing the right thing. And most people probably 95% of them will be overly apologetic. I didn't know what was going on. I'm sorry. And so that's just how I approach it. But to me, it's just, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then everything will be good. So, John Dawson, creator of the uh, PatioDaddyOBBQ.com blog, if you want to check it out here while we're talking. Uh, John, you'd mentioned it a couple minutes ago. You got your hands on a, a fresh new copy of the Melissa Cookston's cookbook uh, or a book that she had been working on. So uh, I don't know if you're allowed, but uh, can you uh, scoop us or give us a, a first-look review exclusive on that? Sure. From what I read, I, I literally got it. I walked in the door like on two and a half hours ago from work, and there it was propped up next to my door, and so I ripped it open and... I will say that it's very, very well done. The fi- the pictures are great. The recipes are great. Um, I took it to the restroom for a restroom test, as I think all guys could appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> a little weird, but hey, I took it in there and I looked at it. And she's got her competition shoulder recipe in there. She's got her competition uh, baby bags and spare ribs and her mother sauce and, uh, you know, perfectly smoked chicken and uh uh, Memphis caviar, I think she calls it. Um, so it's just, it looks to be a great, a great book. Obviously I haven't tried anything in it, but it seems like she's kind of pulled no punches. I mean, I obviously, I don't have insight into know, you know, how real her competition recipes are, but I'm Melissa and I know that she's a pretty straight shooter and I can't imagine her publishing something that would be far afield from what she does in real life. So it looks like a great book. The design is really clean. The, re- the recipes are really well written. There's a lot of little backstory about how she got to where she is. And so I, based on what I've seen, and this is truly a quote-unquote first look uh, impression, it, it's a great book, and I would highly recommend it. So, 
All right. Well, uh, I mean, if if it's getting the the nod from you, obviously it's something that uh, if people like. But obviously, we all know I don't know how to read, so it's something I'm going to have to pass up considerably. However, <laughs> if most people do know how to read, so they'll probably want to check it out. Uh, were you surprised? I mean, I'm just kind of learning here before we hit the air. Uh, you know, the last time I talked to Melissa, she was uh, in as uh, you know new permanent judge on Barbecue Pitmasters, and then uh, before this new season even hits. Uh, it seems that she's on the outs, and you got the BMC in there. Uh, is anything that y- you had heard or, or saw on the on the internet's on that? No, it's that's all new to me. Hmm. So I, I I have no no clue. I mean, I I, I like barbecue pit masters for the exposure that it gives to barbecue, but somewhat like you, I'm really getting tired of the of the the kind of homogenized competition format that you know the chops of the world and other things that. They try to over-competitionize, I guess, to coin a phrase, um, things and make it look more dramatic than it really is. I mean, I do competitions. I only do a few a year. But I know what really goes on in a competition. And generally what shows up on TV is it pales in comparison to what, you know, a real competition is like. And you and I were at the Kingsford Invitational, and I think you got a taste of that. So I haven't heard any any of the drama behind it. I'm just kind of probably like you waiting for the next season to show up and I'll judge it for what it is. And, but, uh, I think it's going in a better direction, not in the best direction, but in a better direction. Uh, As far as the blog is concerned, John, anything uh, we want to be keeping our eyes out for that you're going to be working on? Well, like I alluded alluded to, I'm, I'm way behind. I've got a bunch of product reviews that are due. I've got a a review on a book of uh, homemade condiments that I think will be kind of cool. Um, I've got a new partnership with Agribeef, who's the parent company of Snake, Snake River Farms. Um, so they've got some things in the pipeline for me, starting an Easter, like a, prim, a prime rib of rib, a prime rib of pork, which is kind of a, you know, I, I'm sure you, Greg, you know that they've renamed a bunch of pork cuts. So I'm really happy to be working with them, and I've got another potential partnership with a, a super high-end um, a national grocer that wants me to do some kind of barbecue spokesmanship for them. So I don't know where that's going to go. So I've got a lot of things in the pipeline. And so we're kind of at the height of the season and things are ramping up. So uh, we'll just kind of see where the wind takes us. But uh, in general, I think people's barbecue budgets are kind of, it seems like they're kind of uh, waning a little bit. So some of these opportunities are a little bit, seems to me a little bit fleeting, but uh I'm just kind of along for the ride, and they approach me. I don't go out beating the bushes for anybody, and I just wait for them to come to me, not because I'm some big somebody, but just because it's a hobby for me, and I want to, you know, give people the stuff that I'm interested in. So there's some cool stuff coming. Make sure you follow the website. It's uh, patiodaddyobbq.com. We're talking with the creator, John Dawson. John, always appreciate the time. Uh, on many different levels, I appreciate you uh, coming in tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, I appreciate all you do for barbecue, Greg. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. You got it. There he is, John Dawson. Check him out. PatioDaddyOBBQ.com. A lot of great pictures, a lot of great recipes on there as well. A lot of great reviews. And I think, uh, as John said, you know, he's not a guy that is looking to pull punches when he's giving reviews. Um, You know, I think we're similar in the fact that, you know, when you've seen me review. Uh, sauces on the show uh, for as many sauces that I've said are are good or adequate or ones that you could consider buying uh, there's been just as many or more that I said uh, quite frankly are dog shit 
great stuff out of here. In my defense, I do preface people asking me to do a sauce review with, this is my uh, preferred flavor profile. This is what hits my palate the right way. So if it doesn't meet it, you know, you're probably at a disadvantage. And the people that really think their sauce is good go, eh, do it anyway. We're confident. Hey, I appreciate, if nothing else, I appreciate the boss. All right, uh, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, known for their amazing wide selection of cookers, sauces, rubs, all the things for both the backyard cook and the serious competition team. They sell Big Green Eggs, Kamado Joe, Primo Ceramics, Mac and Green Mountain Pellet Grills, all of the Weber Grills and Smokers, as well as Meadow Creek Smokers and Cookers. They're one of the largest barbecue guru dealers in the country and the very first to offer professional and amateur cooking classes featuring well-known chefs like Todd Johns, Dan Hickson, Harry Sue from uh, Slap Yo Daddy. Call Fred Bernardo, the smoking guitar player, or you know, call him whatever you want as long as you look to buy something, for crying out loud. Anyway, what I mean to say is this. Call him up or any of his friendly staff at 800-677-2882. It's 800-677-2882. Or just go on over to your friendly internets and look him up at TastyLicksBBQ.com. That's TastyLicksBBQ.com. And don't forget, Smoke and Dart Player has over 150 cooking videos on the website. And in a couple of them, he doesn't even try and sell you anything at all. That's right. Uh, again, it's Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply in beautiful, tropical, Downtown Shillington, Pennsylvania. TastyLicksBBQ.com. That's TastyLicksBBQ.com. All right, uh, we are back with Connie's Recipe Corner right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Advice on cooking brisket and ribs. And the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Who would have thought this All right, we are back to 16-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with me should you want. Thanks again to John Dawson from Patio Daddio Barbecue. Patio Daddio BBQ.com, the website, if you want to check them out. Uh, helping me close out the show tonight, somebody that you find appearing here regularly. We have a, a new portion of the website dedicated to her succulent recipes. Uh, let's go ahead and race over to the hotline and welcome my mommy, Connie Rempe, back to the show. Mom, how are you? Hello, Greg. This is your mother. See? Uh, all the... <laughs> God damn it. See, everybody thought it was a joke, but that's really... You were really calling in all those times. Absolutely. Right. I mean, heaven forbid people think that uh, it was a joke on my end. <laughs> I mean, how hilarious is that? 
I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's people making fun of you, I guess. I, I'm not going to stand for that, quite honestly. Forget it. Thank you. I appreciate yes, that. Yes, of course. Now, uh, you know, we, we have you on uh, to do these, uh, what we call the Connie Recipe Court. Jeffrey Stark saying that this lady on the phone is an imposter. Outrageous. <laughs> Jeffrey, back up. Um, we have you on. Uh, we do the full boat or the full complement of a meal. So we go appetizer, we go main course, we go dessert. And before we get into uh, the, the items we're going to be talking about tonight, we uh, I was reading an email from Eugene, and he said, you know, I um, east is east, west is west. If it's supposed to be in the oven, it should be on the oven. If it's supposed to be in the stove, it should be in the stove. You don't. Don't cook anything that's supposed to be barbecue inside, and don't cook anything that's not outside. As, as someone who has really been a, a culinary genius uh, for as long as I have been alive, um, is that advice that you would give to, to friends and family or people asking uh, for your counsel when it comes to cooking or, or what? Absolutely not. No. No, no. I mean, you can do whatever you want, wherever you want. That's, you know, recipes are only guidelines. You know, there's nothing uh, set in stone. You can do you can do whatever you feel like. And as I said, you know, when you uh, and I don't say that just because the, the great Stephen Reichland says it, if it tastes good inside, it's going to taste even better on the grill. You know, when you put it on live fire, whatever form the fuel is, you're you're obviously going to be uh, changing some flavor profiles, maybe adding some flavor profiles you wouldn't normally get inside because you don't want to burn the house down or at least smoke it out true that is true of course yes all right so let's uh go ahead and get into this um we'll start with the appetizer because quite honestly that's what most people start with when they're uh eating at home or out in the restaurants and this is a crispy cheese risotto cake yes it is Uh, yes risotto seems to be a uh uh what do they call that uh God damn it! I can't think of the word. It's um, avant garde. No, but it it seems very uh, intimidating. That's the word I'm because I always you know when I watch uh, Hell's Kitchen, Gordon Ramsay is always yelling at the uh, uh, the, uh, the the appetizer cooks. You're screwing up the risotto. You're screwing up the risotto. Like it's got to be such a certain way, otherwise it's bad. So I've really never ever even tried to make it. Uh, so to hear that it's a crispy cheese risotto cake, I'm already on guard. Yeah, well, you shouldn't be, and you know that's the the shtick of his show. He's yelling at everybody for everything. So you know that it, risotto is not intimidating. It takes a little time, but you know it, it's worthwhile, and it, you're not going to screw it up. So, yeah, um, it, it and this is like uh, one of these really easy appetizers because you can prep it the day before. And uh, for me, anything I can do the day before a party or, you know, anybody coming over is a good thing. So and and I think most people kind of know the basic uh, risotto recipe, but uh, you just start out by in a skillet, melting a couple tablespoons of butter, uh, adding your diced uh, onions and cooking them until they're softened. Then you're going to add your rice. Uh, and a little salt, and just sautéing that until the uh, all the rice gets incorporated with the butter. Then you're going to add your white wine. Now, of course, you're going to add a good white wine, and while you're doing that, you're going to have a nice glass of white wine for yourself. Of course. 
Yes. So you're going to, with all risotto, you add a liquid, you let it, uh, it cook until it's evaporated. Then you're going to add, after the white wine, just like a half a cup of water, let that reduce down. You're going to add another half cup of water till you, you've gotten to use about three cups of water. And, uh, and that's it. You know, you really, it's easy to do. You just have to watch it so you're not going to burn it. You know, uh, other than that, it's easy. Your risotto is done. You're going to pour that into a bowl and let it cool down. And to that, you're going to add freshly grated Parmesan cheese and uh, fresh mozzarella cheese that you're going to dice into little cubes. Mix it all together. Then you're going to put it in a, a eight-inch uh, square baking dish, which you've lined with uh, plastic wrap. And you want enough plastic wrap overlying the pan so when it's done, you can um, fold the plastic wrap over the top and cover it because you're going to then refrigerate the risotto uh, it, for at least uh, four hours until uh, it's nicely set. Or what I would do is always do it the day before so you can, um, you know, chill it overnight and yeah. have that part done. So uh, then uh, when you want to use it, you're taking it out of the refrigerator, pulling it out of the pan, cutting it into uh, about 24 pieces, and then you're going to cook it in clarified butter. Now, if you don't want to clarify your own butter, you can cook it in a little olive oil, but uh, truly the butter is always going to give you a better flavor point. So um, you're going to cut it into the 24 uh, squares. And then you're going to dip it into rice flour, which has uh, less gluten than regular flour. So it gives you a crispier crust. And uh, you're going to cook them for about four minutes until they're nice golden brown and uh, serve them immediately. And they're just cheesy, delicious, wonderful. Uh, I like it plain. You could probably add some... Um, marinara sauce or you know a little hot sauce on it if you want but for me uh plain is better uh and this is you said uh, mozzarella or gabagol uh, mozzarella now uh, when we talk about the mozzarella uh, does it have to be i mean there's so many different kinds uh, do you want to like steer away from certain mozzarella do you want the uh, the stuff like in the water that's all like doughy cheese or do you want the stuff just out of the bag or what uh well of course you know use whatever you have i like the stuff that's in the in the liquid so it's really nice and moist yes all right uh, and, it, and it melts all right yes it does all right yeah. perfect so that's the uh, crispy cheese risotto cakes uh yes. we move to the main course after you're done with that succulent appetizer and you go stovetop mac and cheese. So obviously we have a little cheese thing going on here because I'm uh, my deductive reasoning skills are that of Sipowitz and Clark from the old NYPD Blue. Um, exactly. You know, I love me some mac and cheese. I have uh, Grandma Rempe's uh, old uh, recipe literally on a recipe card. Um, yeah. And, and I still make it to this day. I also have uh, – I can't believe I'm going to – I'm sorry? Old school. Oh, yeah, old school. Uh, and then uh, I can't believe I'll say this out loud, but I have Guy Fieri's Mac Daddy Mac and Cheese recipe, which the girls absolutely love because I, you know, up the ante from four pieces of bacon to two pounds. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's still a good recipe uh, all by itself. So 
Uh, I'm interested to hear about stovetop mac and cheese and how I might be able to incorporate this into uh, some dinner sooner than later. Okay. Well, again, this one also has bacon in it, too. So you're going to, and again, you can use as much bacon as you want. This is probably using about five strips of bacon, but if you want to put in two pounds of bacon, so be it. Right. Uh, you're going to dice your bacon initially and just, you know, uh, cook it until it's lightly crisp, drain it off, set it aside. Then in a pot of uh well-salted water, you're going to boil the pasta, whichever pasta you so desire. I like a corkscrew because you can get a lot of uh, the sauce mixed in with that. Okay, hold on. Hold on one second. Yes. You've uh, brought something to my attention. Okay. You know, I'm always hearing about this, I'm doing air quotes that you can't see, well-salted water. Yes. I mean, what the hell does that mean? Is that That like a couple sprinkles? Is that a cup or what? Um, well, I have a little salt cellar next to my stove that I pick up a nice uh, little handful of the tips, if yep. you will, of your hand yep. and throw it in the water. Uh, the water should be like uh, seawater. Really? It smell, smell like the ocean. Isn't that putting too much salt taste on the pasta? Uh, no, because you want pasta, basically, if you didn't salt the water, is going to taste pretty bland. So, and that's the really the time where you're going to get it nicely salted. And I don't think I've ever tasted my pasta and thought, whoa, I put in way too much salt. All right. So, you know, of course, obviously, if you add a cup of water or a cup of salt to the water, that probably would be too much. But, you know, I'm not going to do that either. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, nicely salted water. Okay. Like the ocean. That, so just like stupid. the ocean, right? Yes. Okay. And and you know I'm close to water, so you know that kind of salty stuff. <laughs> right. But anyhow, you know, throw in your pasta, um, cook it till it's al dente, and then before you drain off all the water, you're going to reserve probably about a cup of that pasta water for the sauce later, and uh, then drain your pasta, um, and then in that same pot that you cooked it in, uh, you're going to add some butter. Then throw back in the cooked pasta, adding about a half a cup of that reserved pasta water, which is nice and starchy, and it really helps um, adding uh, a thickness to the sauce. And uh, to that, you're adding American cheese, which I know people say, hey, it's processed cheese, but you know what? It makes the best uh, mac and cheese there is. It's really creamy. It melts easily. Uh, but with that, too, you're going to add cheddar cheese and then um, just stir it until it's all melted. And you're only using about um, maybe four or five tablespoons of milk. Then you're going to add in the uh, bacon that you had cooked, a little pepper, uh, a little fresh parsley, and uh, and you're done. Serving it with a nice crusty bread and a, a green salad, and you know you got a great dinner, and it's easy. Give me a time frame on this. I'm very busy. You're very busy. Yes. Um, well, as long as it takes you to uh, cook the bacon, which is probably maybe six seven minutes. Yeah, but I can do that. Uh, you know, I could do that in advance if I wanted to. And you can, yep. yeah. So or, or I could as use that uh, the the pre ready bacon that you can get at the uh, at the grocery store. I mean, if I had to. Yeah. Oh you know, boy. Oh, we've hit a nerve. Oh boy, we've hit a nerve. <laughs> yeah, I, I I tried it once and thought, eh, you know, that's one thing that maybe you don't want to uh, think that's a 
a good shortcut. Greg, this is your mother calling. Look here, you stupid idiot. <laughs> Don't make the already made bacon. I'm not gonna ha- I won't call your show anymore. Forget it. Forget the pre-made bacon. Right. Exactly. I apologize. I My apologies. <laughs> you remember that. Wow. Yes. So uh, as long as it takes you to boil the water and shred the cheese, you know, you got dinner in like 15 minutes. Wow. I mean, it sounds really good. It is. It is. Yeah. Yes. Right. So uh, we got uh, crispy cheese risotto cakes. We got stovetop mac and cheese. We're going to end it. And uh, you know as well as anybody else that uh, follows my particular palate, uh, I am not sweet. I'm a sweet guy, but I don't like sweet stuff. So you know, baked fudge already, you know, kind of to, makes me leery that uh, you know it's going to be all fudgy and rich and probably like yeah. what 99 percent of everybody else would actually love. Well, I'm kind of with you on this one because I, when I had found this recipe, I thought, ooh, baked fudge, a I hate fudge. Yeah. Uh, it's just too sweet and, ugh, you know, it's it just, uh, I don't know, don't like it. But this, to me, it should be like a baked brownie because it has kind of a brownie consistency on the top. It's kind of a crusty on the top with kind of a, a pudding texture on the inside. Hmm. So, yeah, it's not an overly sweet uh, dessert at all. I, you know, you, you could give this a try and think you might like it. All right. And plus, uh, it's all made in one bowl, which to me is always a good thing. Um, you're using just eggs, sugar, uh, a couple ta- heaping tablespoons of cocoa and flour. So, you know, you don't even have to level off. You just scoop that uh, tablespoon in there and throw it in a bowl. You're going to add to that uh, a stick of melted butter, some vanilla extract, uh, stir it all together. You're cooking it and pouring it into ramekins that are then going to go into a pan big enough to add water to it. So it cooks in a water bath. So you're putting water halfway up the ramekin, uh, cooking in the oven for about 40 to 50 minutes, um, taking it. And it should just kind of be crusty on the top and set in the center. And uh, if you feel it might not be quite set, you're better off by cooking it the whole 50 minutes than maybe, you know, shorting that up to the 40 minutes. But uh, taking it out, letting it cool off just a little bit, uh, serving it with vanilla ice cream or coffee ice cream Mm -hmm. or whatever ice cream floats your boat. Um, I truly think you would like this because it's really good and and it's not fudge. To me, baked fudge was like when I first read that recipe, it was like, how do you bake fudge? Yeah. Hey, I don't like fudge, and I'm baking it seemed a little weird. But, <laughs> yeah, it's it's more like brownie stuff, which is – I really like brownies. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll it eat a brownie. Kid, yeah. my, my kids will eat brownies like you won't believe. But, uh, you know, I will have a brownie every now and again. All right, so uh, we have uh, ending the meal baked fudge. In the middle, we had the main course of stovetop mac and cheese, and then we started with the crispy cheese risotto cakes. Uh, these uh, items will be available starting uh, tomorrow at some point. I'll have them up on the website. So if you go to thebbqcentralshow.com, and then I believe it's in the link section, uh, there's a, a portion that says Connie's Recipe Corner, and you will see uh, tonight's date, which will be having the recipes housed right there, all for you on the worldwide Internet. So go ahead and grab them all you want. Um, I always appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon with some new great recipes. Absolutely. As a, uh, always, it was a pleasure. Well, thank you. That's my mom. Love you. Love you too. Bye bye.
Connie Rempe joining me and uh, helping me close out the show. Oddly enough, uh, uh, bizarro Connie Rempe came in as well. Hate standing near hot grills, waiting for your foods? Yeah, let iGrill take care of it. The iGrill 2, the iGrill Mini Bluetooth grilling thermometers work with your iOS device to let you know when your food is perfectly cooked from 150 feet away. They magnetically mount to your grill or smoker and compact with pretty awesome features like graphic, minimum and maximum temperature settings, and custom alarms. The powerful yet compact single probe iGrill Mini comes complete with proximity wake-up and LED temperature indicators to go through a range of color bases on doneness. Red lets you know your food is done. Green, yellow, orange show its progress. Get your own iGrill Mini for $39.99 at this particular address. Letter I, Devices Inc. That's IndiaDevicesInc.com, iDevicesInc.com, or at select Lowe's stores. Haven't heard of Lowe's stores? Where do you live, under a rock? The iGrill 2, bigger and badder. Forget about Defer. With full illuminated display for probes for maximum temperature tracking. Shipping in May, so uh, starting month after next, your iGrill 2 for $99.99. You get free shipping on all orders over $50 or more at iDevicesInc.com. You can follow iGrill on the Facebook for exclusive offers and barbecue updates. Uh, just to review, you can get your own iGrill Mini for $39.99 at iDevicesInc.com or select low stores. And you can also pre-order your iGrill 2. Again, full illuminated display, four probes for maximum temperature tracking for $99.99. That one would qualify for free shipping because it is over $50. And you can do that at iDevicesInc.com. Thanks to iGrill for uh, partnering with the show. Uh, We're back to wrap up this whole deal right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B. Uh, thanks to my mom for uh, coming on last segment. Uh, Connie's Recipe Corner on my website, thebbqcentralshow.com, if you want to check it out. Uh, we'll have the latest version of recipes up here tomorrow for your downloading and trial enjoyment. I want to address something. Uh, Patio Daddio, uh, him and uh, this uh, Julie Everett are talking about different cheeses and how they melt and all this other stuff. And John says, melty succulents. That is something that I would say. So first of all, yeah, I mean, probably. I'm hearing the words melty cheese on radio commercials, particularly with like Subway or Applebee's or something that has to do with cheese. Man, I hate it. What the hell is melty cheese? Melty cheese? How about just melted cheese? Because that's what it is. Melty seems like it's trapped in between its solid state and its melted state, and it's like in between. It's melty. 
Just say melted. Melty cheese is so annoying. It's like selfie and just saying and uh, being honest or all those other stupid things that people say all the goddamn time. I hate it. Melty cheese. Melty cheese. Oh, you can get your Subway sandwich with melty cheese, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> melty. Get my bun, cut the middle out, stick the damn meatballs in it, put uh, gabagol, put it in the hot oven, and melt the mother effer. That's what I want. Melted cheese with the E-D on the end. <laughs> with the E-D on the end. I'm not talking about that E-D, bro. No, no. We ain't about that. We ain't about that. All right, let's wrap this up. You know what I'm talking about with the ED. This you probably is the don't. Barbecue Central Show podcast what? being generated from a live recording of the Barbecue Central <laughs> Show, which airs at the right. BBQ Central just wait Show. A darn minute. Every Tuesday between 9 Hello. p.m. and 11 Hello. p.m. This is the Barbecue Central oh, Show my. podcast being generated. I guess we know what just happened there. All right, here we go. Julie, I uh, heartily disagree. Melty is the worst. Actually, the only thing that I agree with Melty is Melty Snow, which is not happening either here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city. Uh, all the way back in the first hour, we want to thank Lynn Shivers, president of the IBCA, IBCABBQ.org, O-R-G. Also, uh, we want to thank CJ, Clarence Joseph, for uh, talking about the big win over at the uh, W3 Barbecue Cookoff Series. He won uh, this past weekend and then ended up winning the whole series. Second hour, John Dawson, patio, daddyobbq.com. And uh, rounding it out tonight, my mom, Connie Rempe, and uh, Connie's Recipe Corner can be found on my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. If you got the raw cast iron, season it each and every time. Little Pam, little Crisco as it cools down after you've hit it with the grill brush. Generations of rust-free service also. September, oh, 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 oh. How come, am I not allowed to finish what I need to say? Is that what it is? Man, oh, man. September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. <laughs>